What is up, you guys? Hunting with J-Bone, episode three. Now, this episode is kind of one I didn't really want to do, but after thinking about it for a little bit, I decided I'm going to do it. Uh, and it's basically just going to be like a gear list, kind of like what's in my bag. And the reason why I didn't want to do this is I swear every single hunting or outdoors podcast has one of these. So this inf- again, this information is going to be out there. But... I kind of like listening to those those episodes. I like to kind of compare what kind of gear I'm using with what other people are using. So I figured, you know what, might as well. I'll do it. So this is gonna get this is gonna be kind of for like an overnight backpacking trip, like the bare minimum. And again, this is also if you're gonna be by yourself. Now, if this is your first time going out or your first couple times going out, I don't recommend going by yourself. But if that's what you want to do, go for it. Like, there's no other way to learn. Like and just going after it so but these are kind of like the baseline bare minimums that I would take out with me on a solo backcountry trip into grizzly bear country <clears throat> also if my voice sounds a little bit fucked up I'm a little bit sick right now I don't think it's covid but it might be so just bear with me if I have a little bit of rasp to my throat if you hear me drinking water that's just me trying to <clears throat> get that out of there so we're st- kind of going to start with like the safety stuff and what's the most easily accessible. So what I keep in my top pouch in my ruck. And firstly, we'll go with the first aid kit. One sec. My first aid kit is pretty standard, pretty basic. I got it from Atmosphere. I think it was like $15 maybe. And basically it's just got some band-aids, a little bit of uh, like a cleaning solution for wounds. Some blister, what is it like moleskin or second skin whatever it's called i think that's like the most important thing is just some like foot care because if you're gonna get blisters out there last year my feet were getting chewed up and i actually need to replenish some of my first aid stuff because i think i used almost 90 percent of the stuff on my feet there (coughs) and just a little bit of tape and gauze so you can pretty much stop anything with that anything that's going to allow you to stay out there longer But anything more severe than like some blisters and maybe a little cut that you want to tape up, you're probably going to want to get back to the truck anyway. So do what you can while you're out there. And then I also sometimes carry with me a tourniquet. Now the tourniquet is kind of just like a last resort. Like you get mauled by a bear and you tore an artery and you need to get something on there to get yourself out. So again, hopefully you're not going to have to use that. But if you do, you'll be glad that you had it. And again, sorry, not again, but another thing that this thing came with is just a little field book. Fits like the palm of your hand, super small, doesn't weigh anything. And basically it's just a little like memoir, a little guide that reminds you certain things. Like if you go into stroke, tells you a different, uh, a few different plants and whatnot, a few different like bug bites, what they would be, what to do for hypothermia, what to do for shock. So stuff that like most people already know. But if you're in a stressful situation, it's just there to remind you and help you out. Or if you like walk up on somebody else who's out there, you can refer to this little field pad. So that's it for the first aid kit. Again, mostly just foot care and little cuts and scrapes. Anything more severe than that, probably get back to the truck as quickly as possible. But another thing that I carry with me for safety, and this is either attached to me, like with a carabiner or again I'm gonna be in that top pouch easily accessible is my Garmin inReach so what the inReach is is it's a 
it's almost like a sat phone, but text message only, and uh, has an emergency transponder on it, so you can call out to Stars or whoever the search and rescue team is that works with Garmin. If I could go back, I think I would look more into the Spot transponder. The Spot is a company. I do like the Garmin. The only thing is, is it's not a great GPS like a like a mapping system, but it is a really good transponder. So you, I would almost rather want to use like a designated GPS to navigate, and then have maybe the Spot as a transponder. So the Garmin's nice because it's a two-in-one, but I don't think it's. I I ended up actually I sold my other GPS to buy this one, and I'm kind of wishing that I just kept that GPS, and got the Spot. <clears throat> and the spot's a little bit smaller. You guys can do a little bit of research on it if you want to. So take that information with what you will. I do... I'm not saying I don't like the Garmin. It is nice having just one unit that you'd have to carry with you so you don't have to carry two. Another thing I'm not a huge fan of is it runs on an internal battery. So you can't swap it out. You can't... If it dies, it dies. And there's no charging unless you carry a, an external battery pack. Which I do, but I like to keep that for my cell phone. <clears throat> so that's one. It could be a pro or a con. Like, I've kept this out for, I think, five days is the longest I've had it out. And it didn't dip below, like, 60%. So that tells me it should be okay for close to two weeks, maybe two weeks. And I've never really done any trips that long, so I've never needed the battery to last that long. But if you're planning on doing anything more than two weeks, or if you're planning on doing a lot of messaging or a lot of navigating, if you're relying a lot heavier on your GPS, the battery might not last that long. <clears throat> so you'll need to bring a few extra external battery packs. Whereas if you were to get my old Garmin, ran on AA batteries, so it would last a few days, and then you just put a fresh pair of batteries in there. So that could be a pro or a con, depending on how you look at it. But for me, I think that I preferred uh, the other route than this that leads me back to one thing that i forgot to mention at the beginning well i mentioned it on previous episodes but i'm just going to reiterate in case you didn't listen that far but i'm not sponsored by anybody nobody's paying me to say anything good or bad about these products that i'm telling you guys about so i'll give you guys my honest feedback on everything again like this garmin it is good but there are things i don't like about it and there's going to be other things in my bag that i'm going to talking to you guys about that i do and don't like and that's all just personal opinion. Nothing's being paid or sponsored. So take that with what you will. Next thing in my pack is going to be my skinning knife. Uh, this knife is usually just left in my backpack because I don't like to do like camp chores or cut up random stuff, split wood, and then you shoot an animal and then you're using that same knife to cut your meat that you're going to be eating with. So I'll usually carry... A separate designated knife to be used for skinning and then one for like camp chores and just to have on my hip to do random stuff not always like sometimes I will sometimes I break that rule but I like to try to be as clean as possible with it <clears throat> as for the brand it's a Benchmade don't really have anything bad or good to say about it it's just a knife it's done the trick for me so far can probably get away with a cheaper one next thing is a toque and neck gaiter. I usually bring like at least one or two toques out there with me. You never know how cold it's going to get at night in the mountains, especially with like the wind and whatnot. Next is just a, a lighter, just your old standard Bic lighter. Usually have like two or three of those floating around just anywhere in my rucksack. 
you never want to be left without fire. And then I've got a headlamp. I usually carry a cheaper headlamp that I just throw in my ruck and then have my better one in my uh, in my bino harness there. Sometimes I'll bring an actual flashlight, but I like to just have a, hand, uh, blah, a headlamp because you can still use your hands and do stuff with it. <clears throat> really losing my voice here. Bear with me, fellas. Ladies and fellas. Okay, so that's basically it for my top pouch there, my easy access kit. Next, we'll move on to my bino harness because that pretty much stays with me all the time. Unless like I'm at camp and I'm done walking for the day, then I'll usually take it off. But I think it's important what you put in there because even if you take your pack off, you still want to have a few essential pieces of kit. So I'll talk about that here shortly. And by shortly, I mean right now. So the bino harness I use, it's just the, the standard one that comes with most Vortex binoculars. It's nothing crazy, nothing too fancy. But it's got two pouches on the side and then a little zipper pouch on the back. The zipper pouch, I usually keep all my tags because it's just nice, easy, convenient to put them in a plastic bag and then put them, tuck them right away in the back there. Don't want to get caught without those. So if you're out there fishing game stops you, you'll always know where they are. On the other side, my windicator. So basically that's just like a little powder that you use to judge wind. You guys probably all already know what that is, but just in case you didn't. And then I'll usually carry at least two or three bullets just in the side here. Um, my gun only carries three bullets in the magazine, and then, which is hopefully going to be enough, but I always like to have a couple extra on me just in case. And then the other side, I have my another lighter or a fire rod, just like a flint rod, whatever, whatever you want to call it, and then a couple water purifying tabs. So again, this is kind of just like survival thinking, like if you do, for whatever reason, like you slip down the side of a slope or something like that, you get separated from your backpack, at least you're going to have a little bit of water purifying, you're going to have a fire starter, and you'll have a couple extra rounds. So maybe that'll come in handy if there's a bear coming or something like that, and you, you have a couple extra rounds in your bino harness. <clears throat> and then as far as my actual binoculars go, I use the Vortex Vipers. I did have the Vortex Diamondbacks to start with, and then I bought these when I started kind of getting more into it. Honestly, for the price difference, I don't know if I would buy these again. I've used them both side by side, the Diamondbacks and the Viper side by side, and don't think there's a crazy difference. Like maybe I'd have to use them side by side in like a low light condition or right at dusk or right at dawn there, but. I haven't really been able to notice a significant difference between the two and they are priced pretty significantly differently so not saying to cheap out on binos but I'm saying maybe if you're still kind of getting into hunting put your money somewhere else like maybe into a better set of boots or a better a better backpack might be a place to spend it and that's nothing against Vortex I really do like Vortex products um, pretty much all my optics are Vortex. I have a Vortex rangefinder, my rifle scopes Vortex, my binos are Vortex, so I do like the company, but would I spend the extra money in binoculars from the Diamondback to the Vipers again? Maybe not. So that's just something to think about. Uh, okay, so that's it for the binos and the bino harness. Next we'll go to my actual backpack itself. So I use a Kifaru, 
I think it's the cavern and it's 105 liters plus the the lid on top it's like an extra 15 or 20 liters so 120 liters total and I think that's the perfect size for for multi-day backpacking trips honestly I found I could probably use a little bit bigger <clears throat> but I, I don't think I would though I think a little bit bigger would just the bag is going to weigh too much it's going to if you don't have enough stuff in there it's just going to be all like sloppy and look all fucked up so around 100 liters I think is a good size for multi-day backpacking and hunting you're still gonna have room in there to put a elk quarter or a deer quarter now when we were talking earlier about how hunting it's difficult to save money this is kind of where we start to see why that is so this kafaru rucksack is it's from, it's an american company i think they're out of colorado i could be wrong but uh, they're made in the usa somewheres and with the canadian dollar where it's at right now and the exchange rate the duty or customs whatever you're going to pay when it ships to your house because i don't believe you can buy these in any stores up here in canada <clears throat> i think you can buy some mystery ranch maybe in the stores or like a stone glacier those are both really good companies as well so if you can get into a store where you can try a couple on and see what you like, that's awesome. Or if you want to order Kafaru, I think any of these brands actually, like even if you do buy one in stores here, it's going to be around $1,000. So that's a pretty big hit for a backpack. But if you're an avid hiker or if you're an avid hunter, it is worth it. Well, okay, to me it is worth it. It might not be to you. But so yeah, if you're going to spend money somewhere, like I would say minimize how much money you're going to be spending on camouflage gear minimize how much you're going to be spending on uh, just like random stuff that hunters for whatever reason think that they need like don't buy any sitka gear don't buy any of that get a good backpack because that's going to save you a lot of pain and a lot of misery while you're out there and if you guys have been on my instagram or if you've seen me wearing sitka gear or expensive stuff like that uh, that's because I have the first-hand experience, and if I could go back in time, <laughs> I would not buy any more Sitka gear or anything like that. So if anybody wants to buy it from me, like shoot me a message, I'll I'll sell it. But they were they to my defense, they were heavily heavily discounted. I would not pay full price for any Sitka gear or any of those big brands like First Light, QU, or yeah. I'm not a big camouflage advocate, so yeah, take that how you will. Save money on camouflage. Don't make my mistakes in buying all this expensive stuff that you don't need, and put the money where it's most important. Okay, so next important piece of gear, and kind of ties into safety again, is a bare barrel. Now this is something that I don't always take with me. And I did actually didn't know what it was for a little while, but instead of hanging your food for uh, for bears, sorry, it's essentially like this big polymer. It's like a plastic barrel, and the theory is you put your food, you put whatever inside of it, and then you just like leave it on the floor, you leave it on the ground, and bears can't chew through it. They can't break it. It's like a really thick, heavy-duty plastic material. Now there's pros and cons to this. Cons being it's big, it's bulky. And I think alone it weighs two and a half, maybe even three pounds. So it is heavy. The advantages to this is in Alberta, the type of trees that we have, they are not the best for hanging food in. I've had issues where 
I've been out camping, I've been out hiking, and I want to hang my food, but you, you just can't find a, tr- like, a branch to hang your food off, just because, uh, what are, I don't, what are they, like, the, the pine trees there? I'm sure you guys have all been out there, you've seen the trees. If you have tried hanging food in those types of trees, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're with other buddies, like, might not be as big of a deal, where, like, I don't know, you all have guns, you all have bear spray, you're all kind of pretty alert. But if you're by yourself, you're definitely going to want to figure out a situation to put your food somewhere else. So what the bear barrel allows you to do is you don't need a hanging tree. And, oh yeah, also, another thing too, is hanging your food, like mice, squirrels, and any like rodents, they can still get at that. But this barrel is like completely sealed, so you're not going to have any small critters chewing at it and getting in through the your rope. So that's a pretty big plus. I've never actually had any issues with bears trying to get my food, but I have had issues where I hung food up and like a squirrel or some sort of field mouse chewed right through my bag. So that's kind of annoying. And that's one of the reasons why I got one of these. So I've woken up and I found like little squirrel poop around it and like little mouse trying to get at it, but they had no, no luck. So you're going to want to decide which which option you're going to choose there. No right or wrong answer. It's going to be personal preference. If you don't I <clears throat> if you don't want to spend the money, again, these are pretty pricey. I think these are like 80, maybe $90 or something. So I mean, it's not a crazy amount. If you're going to be buying like a good waterproof bag to hang your food, you're probably going to be spending around that, but it's going to be significantly lighter and yeah. Next thing I'm going to talk about is my stove setup. So what I usually use is the MSR Pocket Rocket Deluxe. It's extremely lightweight. It's almost like too small. I've lost one of them before just because of how small it is. Like you definitely got to keep a track of it. Um, it runs off any of those little propane or whatever they are, like butane canisters that you can get. Now the only downfall is they're not the best in very cold weather. I think around minus 10 is going to be their their lower limit there. But if you're like me, I don't really backpack in that sort of weather anyway. But if you do plan on doing that, I would look at getting one of the, like the white fuel, some like the liquid fuel canister ones, rather than these because they don't operate the best in cold weather. <clears throat> one of the cons is, unlike the jet boil, it doesn't come with a pot. So you can just, you're going to have to go buy like a little pot set. I think I went to Cabela's or something they had like another MSR pot set that comes with like a small little pot a lid and a handle super lightweight um, just use that to boil up your water use it to cook in and that sort of stuff super important well I mean, it's not, if you just want to like sort of fire with like trees and stuff like that you can do that but if you're gonna be doing that breakfast lunch and dinner it's kind of gonna get annoying so I recommend get one of these things I think these are only like 40 50 dollars or whatever And then the fuel canisters are like seven or eight bucks. So not a crazy amount. And you'll be able to boil water in like a minute and have some fresh drinking water. Next thing I take with me is water purification tabs. Now I know a lot of people in Alberta, they just drink right out of the river. And I've done that too. I usually do that. But especially now with with that new coal policy coming out, might no longer be a feasible option. <clears throat> so always bring some water purification tabs with you. 
again, sometimes I get lazy and I just drink out of the water, but I usually try throw a little tablet in with my water bottle. They don't cost very much money. They're, I don't know, it's like 10 bucks for 100 tablets or something like that. So it takes like five seconds just to throw a quick tab in there. Um, in emergency, like you can drink the water, you'll be fine. Usually you don't get sick for like a week or two anyway, so you'll be home by that time. You're not going to be out there with a stomach bug, hopefully. On that though, uh, after water, you're going to need food. So for food, I usually, I make, I started making my own uh, dehydrated foods. I just got a dehydrator on sale from Cabela's and you can make like spaghetti, you can make pasta, you can make whatever, chicken and rice. <clears throat> Super simple to do and the quality of food you're going to be getting is much better. I've used Mountain House, I've used, uh, what is the other brand there, like Happy Yak. I've used all of them for me personally, like I've never really had any bad like stomach issues, but I know a lot of people don't like Mountain House because of what it does to their guts. <coughs> One sec, sorry guys. So if you're one of those people where Mountain House doesn't sit well with you, or if you've never tried them before, I highly recommend you eat one or two of those at home because nothing would be worse than you're, you're planning like a five, six day hunt and all you brought is these mountain house meals, but they don't sit well with you at all. And you'll probably have a miserable six or seven days there. So buy a few different brands, see which ones you like best, see which one, see which ones sit with your stomach the best, and then go from there. Or go get a cheap dehydrator and try making your own. I think I have a couple of videos on my Instagram actually of how to do that. If I don't, I'll be sure to get one of those up pretty soon here. Next, I always bring a couple, couple yards worth of paracord or some sort of nylon rope. Or not nylon, I don't know. Whatever it is, like 550 cord. Now, you can get this pretty much anywhere. Canadian Tire, Mech, Atmosphere, Cabela's, wherever. Any outdoor store. And at least like 50, 60 feet worth. Doesn't weigh very much. And it's extremely versatile. After that, we... Are going to dive into clothing i guess so for this part if you already have lots of hiking gear like perfect i would stop right there like not even bother to go get anything else unless you have that expendable cash where you don't really care and you just want some sweet camel gear then by all means go for it but essentially just a base layer a insulating layer and either a wind breaking or a waterproofing layer i would say the most important piece out of those would be your insulating layer because in my experience, even if you do have like the best rain gear out there, you're still going to get wet no matter what. You're either going to sweat from the inside or eventually the rain is going to seep through and you're going to be wet. So <clears throat> priority on that base layer and that insulating layer to keep you warm and then get uh, like as light as possible, I guess, is like a rain layer. I've even just brought a small, like a lightweight tarp. So I've found that's almost even more effective than a, than a rain jacket. I would still definitely bring one, <clears throat> but if you can quickly just like throw up a quick little tarp, makeshift tarp, keep you out of the rain, that's going to work better than a rain jacket will, unless you plan on still walking around. But a lot of the times, like if you already got to your spot and you're just chilling, a rain jacket's going to soak right through within like half hour, an hour tops, no matter what kind of rain gear you're wearing. So... It's not a bad idea, but again, like 
when you're trying to save ounces, you're trying to save a little bit of weight, always have maybe a dry toque and some dry socks at the bare minimum. Maybe like, you're, like you're not going to pack like four or five pairs of socks. You're not going to pack like all these dry base layers. Like getting wet is just kind of part of it. And hopefully it's going to be warm enough during the day or like the next day where you can dry some of your stuff out. But that's kind of just, you're going to be miserable for a little bit there. Next thing is we'll get into the sleeping system. First is your sleeping pad. So you can either get a foam or like a blow up pad and there's pros and cons to both. A foam pad is not gonna pop. You're not gonna be able to like puncture it and have it be essentially useless. As well, you can use it to kind of like sit on. They set up faster. So if you get to somewhere where you wanna sit in glass or you just wanna hang out for a little bit, you can pull that bad boy out and pop a seat. The blow up ones, which is typically what I use, they if you put it down on like a sharp stick or like a sharp rock, you're gonna puncture it. And if you get a hole in your sleeping pad, that's gonna be pretty shitty. But usually they come with a little patch kit anyway, so you can kind of patch it up, uh, which I've had to do. But if like the valve goes, you're pretty much screwed. So the one I use is the Climate or Climate. I don't know how you how you pronounce it. The insulated static V. Now I highly recommend an insulated mattress, like no matter what, and it's super lightweight, compresses down to a little bit bigger than like a water bottle, and I don't know how much it weighs, like a pound, two pounds maybe, but keeps you off the ground, and you lose a ton of heat through the ground, so if you just bring a sleeping bag and you're sleeping on the floor, you're gonna, you're probably gonna freeze, so definitely get a quality sleeping pad, blow up it or just like a foam, whatever you choose. And then for your sleeping bag, uh, the more money you spend, the lighter it's going to be typically. And like the smaller it's going to compress down to. So there's nothing wrong with like getting a cheaper sleeping bag. It's just going to be heavy and a little bit bulkier. But it'll probably keep you just as warm. <clears throat> as long as uh, the rating is the same. So get a whatever you can afford to like keep that weight down. Get a sleeping bag that's going to keep you comfy. And whether it's down or synthetic, that's, again, going to be personal preference. Uh, mine's down. I've had, I've been pretty cold in it, not going to lie. Like, I've had a couple nights where I've been cold. But just layer up a little bit more if you need to. So that you can do that as well if you don't want to spend that much on a, on a winter sleeping bag and a summer sleeping bag. You can just kind of wear a little bit more in the wintertime. As well as investing in a, a sleeping bag liner kind of gives you like a better material next against your skin but I like to use one of those keeps it a little bit warmer next is going to be your tent so I have a couple different tents the one that I mainly use which you guys have probably seen on my Instagram is the Kifaru Sawtooth now again just like their packs they're gonna be made in the US they're gonna be a little bit more pricey and there's some pros and some cons to it so it's a floorless shelter which some people like, some people don't like. Personally, I like it. You can wear your boots in there. You can do whatever in there, not to worry about getting it all dirty. <clears throat> the downside is you can have more bug issues if bugs are climbing all over or they're climbing underneath. Uh, the condensation in this thing can be pretty bad without the liner. The setup can be difficult because it's such a big tent. If you don't have like a solid flat area, that's like the I don't know it's pretty big like it's you need a lot of surface area <coughs> as well it's not freestanding so you'll need to peg it in 
And in the wintertime, I've had issues where I can't get the the pegs into the ground because it's just frozen solid. So you'll have to use rocks or tie off the cords to trees or something like that. Other than that, super solid tent. I've had this thing in some ridiculous windstorms and it didn't budge. Like it stayed put. Um, but yeah, biggest thing would be the price. Like it, it is not a cheap tent. And if I were to go back, I probably would not go uh, get this tent again. Uh, part of the price too was the stove that it came with. It came with a small backpacking stove. You guys have probably also seen that on my Instagram. And I've had a lot of people ask me about it. And I actually have not used the stove very much. It's It takes a little while to set up. It takes a long time to get the wood that you need to keep that thing running for a decent amount of time. Because it is a fairly small stove, so you got to break the wood down a lot smaller than you would if you're just having a campfire. As well, I found I'd rather, usually like if I'm having a fire, like I'll be outside the tent, set up a little fire pit and just have a fire. So by the time I'm ready to go to bed, I don't really want to break down wood even further and just kind of hang out inside the tent. If it's raining, it'll be nice, but I've never never been out there while it's raining to use it. And by myself, I've never, it's not feasible to run by yourself. Like it's just too much maintenance, too much work to get going. But again, it's a big tent. You could probably fit three or four people in there without equipment. <clears throat> and if you have that many people, like you could definitely designate like one or two people to do that, one or two people to do something else. And you could easily have that fire running all night. But yeah, definitely not a solo person, solo person tent, especially with the weight. I think with the bag, the, the tent itself is only about three pounds, like three or four pounds. So I, I take this, Jesus, I can't talk right now. I take the tent when I go by myself, but I usually end up leaving the stove. Even with two people, I've left the stove behind. But I found with my little MSR there, the MSR stove I was telling you guys about before, if I turn that on inside that tent, it it gets warm in like a matter of minutes. So that's almost a better option is just bring like a small, like a jet boil or whatever stove you have. Bring that in there, turn it on for a few minutes before you're getting into your sleeping bag, like while you're taking all your stuff off. And as soon as you get in your bag, like you can turn it off and you'll be fine. So the stove, it, it looks cool. It's a nice, nice thing to have. But as far as practicality goes, I don't use it as much as I thought I would use it. So, yeah, take that how you will. Again, Kefaru, great brand. But for us Canadians up here, it is it is a lot of money. I think Seek Outside makes another similar tent, like a, the TP-style tent with a backpacking stove. And I don't know if they are Canadian, but they do have a lower price. Now, I, I can't speak on their quality since I've never used it before. But... If I could go back, maybe I would try out the Seek Outside, see how their products are. And that's nothing against Kafaru. Like, I have several of their products. <clears throat> I like them a lot. But for the price, for us Canadians, it it's a little bit much. Okay, so next you're either going to want to bring an axe or a saw. And again, that's personal preference. Uh, don't think you'd want to bring both. If you're by yourself, at least, if you have two or three other guys, one person can bring that, one person can bring the other. So I have a Gerber backpacking saw, which I've used quite a bit. They are nice, but I find the blades dull very quickly. So 
I find like I can't even get one trick out of one blade, so you almost have to bring like an extra blade with you, which is kind of annoying. So this year, I think I'm gonna switch to an axe. I just picked up a new axe, so we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> and then that's pretty much everything you need, like as like a baseline to survive, is your insulating gear, tent, some fire starter, binos. Other than that, to the more hunting specific stuff, you might want to bring a few game bags and uh, maybe a plastic garbage bag. What the game bag is going to do, it's going to allow you to hang up your meat and keep flies off it, keep the dirt off of it. And what the garbage bag is going to do is, A, you can put your garbage in it, keep that place clean. And B, you can put your, put your hindquarter or whatever, put your quarters inside of a game bag. And then when you go to put it inside your pack, you can put it inside the garbage bag. Because I don't like getting blood all over all my gear and especially like all over your pack too. Like it starts to smell. So try to keep his stuff as clean as possible. Uh, bring a couple battery packs if you can. I just go to Costco has them or Amazon has cheap battery packs. Some people bring solar chargers out there. I've never really dealt with it. Oh, and bear spray. Bring a little bit of bear spray with you too, especially in bear country. I know most people... If you're out there, you're going to be hunting, so you're going to have a gun with you, but you're not always going to have your gun, like, attached to you. Like, you might go down to get some water, or you might, like, take your pack off and, like, leave your gun to go do whatever. But at least, like, bear spray, you can just, like, have hooked up to you on a carabiner or around your belt or something like that. And honestly, that's pretty much everything. It looks pretty much like a hiking setup, which, like, it is. Like, you're just going hunting. All you really need is your rifle now. Other than that, it's going to be pretty much the same stuff that you're going to take hiking. You'll take hunting, except for maybe a few game bags. And if you use calls or decoys, sometimes I'll bring like a pair of flip-flops or crocs to wade through rivers if I got to cross like a stream or something like that. Uh, there's like some small knickknacks here and there that I'll take, but that's basically what my pack looks like. Uh, as far as rifle does go, I use a Bergara, but whatever rifle you've got, use it. Uh, I mean, if it's like a sufficient caliber, if you're going to go hunt elk for the very first time and you have like your little deer gun, you might want to beef it up a little bit, but most calibers are going to take down, like that's going to take down a deer, will take down an elk as long as you're using that proper shot placement. So you don't need to go out there, spend like however much money on a brand new rifle and like the pound or two you might save on a lighter rifle, like you're not going to notice it. So don't skimp out on like your safety gear if you don't have like a Garmin inReach and if you plan on going by yourself, definitely spend a little bit more money like get to get a spot, get a Garmin, get some sort of safety net. I know when I first started out I didn't have one but now I, d I don't think I'd go back out there by myself without that. So definitely don't cheap out on safety, don't cheap out on your rucksack and have a good insulating layer that's going to keep you warm. Other than that, fellas, that's, uh, I think we're about it, but, oh geez, this is the longest podcast I've done yet, 30, 35 minutes, nice. So, I think the last time I said we're going to have some guests on here, but again, I got a little bit sick, so I didn't want anybody coming over, but I think might have to be over, like, what is it, Zoom, or a phone call or something like that, I'll just, like, have their end on the microphone or something like that, but we'll see. If anybody does want to come onto the podcast again, like I said, I'd love to hear your stories, love to hear your input. So shoot me a message on shoot me a message on Instagram 
hunting with J-Bone. And I'll try to get the next episode up. I don't know when. But thanks for... Um, yeah, this is how I know this podcast has gone too long because I can't talk anymore. <clears throat> thanks, you guys, for tuning in. And I'll see you next time.